Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? A fine day it is, Dan. Oh, good to be here, yeah, Well, yeah. folks, uh, finally, people are catching on to the story we uh, told you about Gosh, two two days ago about the agriculture commissioner race oh. in Florida. Yeah, remember, Joe? Yeah. I told you that's what this is really about down here in Florida. Not that they won't take the Senate race. They'll steal it if they can. Not that they won't fleece the governor's race here in Florida. They will fleece that, too. Not that we shouldn't have a sense of anxiety about it. But I had told you a couple days ago that I believe their real purpose here, because the other two, the gubernatorial and the Senate race, are extreme long shots. Their real purpose is to underneath your noses to steal the agriculture race. And it is all about your gun rights. Oh, now all of a sudden it's gone mainstream. I saw a report on Fox and Friends this morning. They had Matt Caldwell on. This is a huge story. Matt Caldwell, the Republican candidate for agriculture commissioner in Florida, had his race stolen from under his nose by 80,000 votes at magically appeared they're magically delicious remember that one they lucky charms or something <laughs> they just charms? magically appeared and nobody's paying attention to it apparently besides fox thank uh th- thank god they uh they uh they picked up this story i have another story this morning in the show notes about it very well done by a guy named daniel sobieski an american thinker but i told you about this a couple days ago this is what they are fleecing a race from under our nose that has a lot to do with your gun rights <laughs> and it's a national story not a florida story because it's setting the template going forward on how to do this. Draw a lot of attention to some high-profile recounts. You're probably not going to win them. Take a long shot. And while you're doing that, fleece the races underneath for Secretary of State, Attorney General, whatever it may be. What a beautiful plan for them, (laughs) not for us. All right, folks. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at GenuCell. Nobody likes a saggy jawline. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, it's the jawline and double chin that give your age away. It does every time, but not anymore. My wife and my mother-in-law love this stuff. She's like, honey, I need some more of that. My mother-in-law loves it. (laughs) Introducing the brand new GenuCell jawline treatment with dual peptide and MDL technology. Chamonix's most uh, most advanced technology ever. Not only tightens saggy jawlines, but it plumps the lipophilic layers of your skin to contour and define the jawline within minutes. Using peptides and metolactones together for the first time, it works amazingly quick, and the results get better every day. No one else has this technology or our proprietary chemical-free base, so say goodbye to that double chin right now. And here's the best news. It's yours free when you order GenuCell for under-eye bags and puffiness. And for results in 12 hours, GenuCell's immediate effects is also free. Text the word YOUNG, YOUNG, like the opposite of old, YOUNG to 77453 or go to GenuCell.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L, com, and select my name, Dan Bongino, at checkout. Imagine a double chin disappearing in about a week with GenuCell's jawline treatment. 100% guaranteed or your money back. Stop imagining, call or click now. Like I said, my wife digs this stuff. She's a beauty, isn't she? She doesn't need it. She doesn't need anything. But it helps. Text YOUNG to 77453 or visit GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. So great piece in the American Thinker this morning. Again, people are catching on to this. Finally, I want to read to you some snippets about what's going on and why this will impact your Second Amendment rights and why it's a template for moving forward. Folks. They are attacking the electoral process in Florida at the top of the ticket, creating a big, uh, a big scene. We need recounts. Broward County can't come up for their votes. Palm Beach County. You've seen all the coverage. I'm not here to, 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 to get what you can get on, on the cable news channels. I'm here to provide to you some stuff you may not hear anywhere else. I want to applaud again, Fox, for finally uh, for, a lot, for them covering this story. It's the ag race. That's the big deal. It has already been stolen. The uh, Matt Caldwell, the Republican candidate, was a big advocate for the Second Amendment. The Democrat, Nikki Freed, ran openly against uh, second, the Second Amendment, against the NRA. She was leveraging about, uh, 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 all of her political power to try and attack the Second Amendment in Florida. And it looks like Nikki Freed may pull this thing out because of these 80,000 votes that, as Matt Caldwell acknowledged on Fox and Friends this morning, just magically appeared. Now. From this piece in the American Thinker this morning, 
You may be asking now, although I explained a little bit to you uh, earlier in the week, I'm going to give you more detail now. Why does the agriculture commissioner's race matter? What does that have to do with you? A lot of you may be confused, Joe included, because Joe in Maryland, Mm -hmm. who controls it? The state police. Yeah. They control the Second Amendment uh, issue, uh, the the issuance of, uh, what is it, CQWs or something? I I forget what they're called in Maryland. But the state police controls it, and that's pretty common across the country. The state police or some licensing service, division of licensing, not here in Florida. The agriculture commissioner controls it. Now, let me read from the piece. Quote from the Sobieski piece in the American Thinker, which is up in the show notes. Read it. Send it to all your friends. Say, heads up, fellas. This is what this is really about. And ladies, quote, as the Tampa Bay Times notes, Florida is unusual in that the Florida agricultural commissioner, as I told you earlier in the week, rather than the courts or other law enforcement, is the entity that regulates and controls things like concealed carry permits. They go on from the Tampa Bay Times. If it seems unusual for Florida's Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services to handle concealed weapon, weapons permits, that's because it is unusual. Nearly every other state gives the job to the police or the courts. The NRA had lawmakers quietly move the division of licensing. This is from the Tampa Bay Times. I'm just quoting them. They, they sound so nefarious. Mm. Quietly, moved the, uh, quietly moved the division of licensing, which handles the concealed weapons permit program, from the, the Florida Department of State to the state's Department of Agriculture in 2002 so that the program was answerable to an elected official. Here's where it gets interesting. Freed, this is the Democrat candidate, Joe, who's now up in the votes mm-hmm. when it looks like a, a very suspicious set of circumstances. Nikki Freed, in conjunction with Andrew Gillum, the Democrat candidate for governor, and Sean Shaw, the Democrat candidate for attorney general, are pushing the gun control trifecta, the elimination of stand your ground, banning, quote, assault weapons and targeting concealed weapons permits. Mm. Wow, folks, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? Well, that is a sucker punch to the gonads. Is it? Oh, isn't it? You need to. Uh, absolutely, positively is. <laughs> and it hurts. The agriculture commissioner, the Democrat who's now up, who is an openly anti Second Amendment, anti NRA, you know, disclosure, I work at NRA TV. I don't work for the NRA for the umpteenth thousandth time, but I, I don't want to create any potential conflicts in your head. Folks, this was always about the concealed weapons permits process. Now, you may say if the Democrat Nikki Freed and this very suspicious set of electoral circumstances that she's now, quote, winning under, I have to put air quotes because who knows if she's winning or not when actual legal votes are counted. Right. If she gets in office, what can she actually do? Well, as the uh, agriculture commissioner, she can't change the law in Florida, but she's certainly going to be in a position to advance her agenda. The reason is they control the entire CCW process and the issuance of it. They can slow down the process. They can create bureaucratic hurdles. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in Florida, in a state that respects the Second Amendment, please tell me you are paying attention to this. And if you are not, after hearing my podcast now a couple times and me focus on this again, I have to ask you why not. They are keeping the attention on the top two races and nobody is talking about it. Had a guy in the gym. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens in the gym, Joe, as you yes, can tell. Yes, it does, yeah. Friend, friend of mine, because I don't get out of my house much. I work, everything's in my home studio. I get, barely leave my house anymore. Folks, I'm in the gym yesterday. A guy who's a regular listener of my show comes up to me. He goes, Dan, you're right. He goes, I'm not hearing anything about this Caldwell race, the agriculture race. That's what the Dems want. They know it's a huge long shot. They know the Nelson and the, and the Ron DeSantis gubernatorial race and the Nelson uh, Scott Senate race. They know it's a long shot. The other race has been already fleeced. Fleeced from under our noses, 80,000 mysterious votes. Nobody will give us an answer to. It's already gone. That Caldwell went to bed, the Republican that night, up 40,000 votes. He's now down 5,000. Oh, man. Now, why is this important? It's important because. Oh, what is this? Wow. I get a lot of interesting emails. Fascinating. I'm going to answer this one. It's important. Sorry, folks. I get the, sometimes during the show, I get, I get a lot of text from old friends. This is important because in 2002, prior to 2002, the secretary of state position in Florida, the secretary of state position was, uh, was elected. So they want control of the CCW. That's where the CCW process was first. I want to be clear. You guys are straight on this. You guys and ladies. Mm Mm-hmm. The Secretary of State position, who used to control the CCW permits in Florida, 
was elected prior to 2002. After 2002, the position is appointed. Now, understandably, gun rights groups out there did not want a the end up uh, a they wanted the control of the CCW process under someone who's elected. The agriculture commissioner spot is still elected. That's how it wound up there. So, just so you're clear, that's how the the issuance of CCW permits wound up in the hands of the agriculture commissioner because it is still an elected position in the secretary of state that used to control it and used to be elected is not anymore. <clears throat> Does that make sense, folks? They wanted accountability to the people of the state. And it's very hard to do that with an appointed position. Right. Because if the Democrats got the governorship, they could appoint a big gun grabber to the position and they could wind up screwing over a bunch of Florida residents. Now, one more thing, folks, what this is also about. Florida has a law where the Florida state, uh, this basically a supremacy law for Florida state, the state of Florida's gun uh, gun laws, their firearm laws overrule the county laws. Years ago, as the piece describes the American thinker piece, which I strongly encourage you to read. They used to have a patchwork of different counties, some of the more liberal counties in Florida, which had very, very strange concealed carry laws. Uh, he cites Broward County, which had gun laws so uh, so strict that that very few people had concealed carry permits. And what made it obviously a a train wreck was if you were in the state of Florida and came from a conservative county where the Second Amendment was respected and you traveled to, say, Broward County, where it wasn't back then, you ran the risk of arrest for violating some gun law you weren't even aware of. Florida took over. They now uh, preempt all of the the county laws. And folks, I'm telling you right now, if she gets in there, there's going to be a push by Florida Democrats. And it's going to be difficult to do from that ag spot, but they can slow it down to start to deeply impact your Florida your, your Florida gun rights. That's what this is really about. I'm glad these people are picking this up. Going to punish you with process, baby. Punish you with process. You remember that? We haven't said that in a long yeah, time. That's a hat tip to Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch, who uh, has said that to me repeatedly. The Democrats have understood. I'm glad you brought that up. The Democrats have understood for a long time, ladies and gentlemen, that process is punishment. The Democrats, can, if they can drag you into court endlessly like they're doing with Donald Trump now, it almost doesn't even matter if you win in the long run because the process becomes the punishment. We saw this with the IRS targeting of conservative groups. All they have to do is drag you into court and send a message to other conservative groups, even if they lose later on because the government has endless resources. All they have to do is get you into court and send a message that this is going to happen to you later and it scares people off the process is the punishment and in this case the agricultural commissioner will control the process for the ccw permits keep it on your radar i warned you okay um i've got a lot a lot of other stuff to get to this is really important there was a major major break yesterday by buzzfeed in the Spygate debacle, the Spygate scandal, this atrocious case. I have a story up at Bongino.com. It's in the show notes today. Please, please read it. It covers this. So the key to the whole Spygate case, as we've been talking about from day one, is who? Mifsud. Joseph Mifsud, the, Malt- the Maltese professor. Now, his lawyer told BuzzFeed, and I cover this in the story uh, on the website, his lawyer is now told, uh, his lawyer, Stephen R- Stephen Rowe, has now told BuzzFeed that Mifsud is looking to testify in front of the U.S. Senate. And they are working out the details now. Oh, is that going to be fascinating or what? So I have a list of questions for our buddy Joseph Mifsud that will blow the lid all over this thing. Now, Papadopoulos has been tweeting about this on yeah. George Papadopoulos on his Twitter account. Uh, I suggest you read it. He has some uh, some interesting takes on this, given that he was the subject of this. Just some quick background. It is Mifsud, the Maltese professor, who, according to the leftist and media narrative of the Trump collusion case, starts this whole thing. Mifsud asks for a meeting with Papadopoulos after he joins the Trump team and allegedly tells Papadopoulos that the Russians have dirt on Hillary, according to the leftist narrative. Mifsud is some kind of a Russian cutout who was there to liaison with a member of the Trump team to pass Russian information on to George Papadopoulos. Ladies and gentlemen, that story is outrageously stupid. Folks, do you understand? Please tell me you understand this. I brought this up multiple times. I only repeat it because if you don't understand this, you don't understand the entire case. If Joseph Mifsud is not a Russian agent, 
attempting to provide dirt on Hillary to Papadopoulos. If he, matter of fact, has no contact with Russia at all outside of business, I mean, no intel contact, law enforcement contact, surreptitious or suspicious contact with the Russians at all. Do you understand the whole case is a farce? You can't have Russian collusion if your alleged cutout, Mifsud, is not a cutout for the Russians. Joe, does this make sense? I know we've covered this a thousand times, but I still get questions from the audience. It's why I bring it up. You need a Russian in there somewhere, man. You need a Russian. Yeah. You, you need a... <laughs> yes! Gosh, need that's a why Russian, I love Armacost. To, to be... Yes! Thank you! For Papadopoulos to be the key to the whole Russian collusion, you need to have colluded with a Russian. Or a, Thank you! You know what? All the gosh, I've done it. Why didn't you say that sooner? You could have solved me hours and hours of trying to explain this away. You need, you need a Russian. It's like you need a Russian. You need somewhere at some point. You need somebody connected to the actual Russians. Yeah. Now we have that on the Hillary side. Hillary source for the dossier who claims to have got information from actual Russians. So, so we have that. We're good on the Hillary side. The question is on the Trump side. When is someone going to produce a Russian? They produce they produce taxicab confessions with Michael Cohen, um, alleged fibbing that they said wasn't fibbing in Mike Flynn. They uh, more alleged fibbing in, in in the George Papadopoulos case. Well, not alleged; he's already uh, coped to that. But they've they've uncovered a lot of fibbing, Joe. Yeah, man. Uh, which is you know never happens in Washington D.C. As Tucker Carlson sarcastically pointed out last night, like yeah, which was great by the way. They pointed out a lot of it. They still have yet to produce an actual Russian. Oh wait, wait. They did produce Russians. They produced Russian troll farms in Russia and still don't have a connection <laughs> to the Trump team or the Trump team trying to collude. They have nothing. There is that you have to get a Russian. The whole case centers on Mifsud being a Russian agent. Here's the problem, folks. Mifsud's connections, which are documented. And you know, I, I, I don't mean to pile on people and I don't want to be rude. I'm trying to really kind of dial it down on that front because it doesn't do anything. But Aaron Blake at the Washington Post, who is, you know, for some reason, it, it just seems to like, I don't know why he pretends to be a reporter. I mean that. He's not. He's clearly an opinion guy. Aaron Blake put out a tweet yesterday saying George Papadopoulos was engaged in a bunch of conspiracy theories, which is fascinating because Blake and the Washington Post have been continually promoting the conspiracy theory collusion with Russia happened despite any evidence that it actually happened. There is no evidence of that at all. They're the real conspiracy theories. They should be totally discarded. and Their opinions are meaningless. But do they understand that the evidence out there that Mifsud is connected, connected at a minimum to Western intel, is everywhere? A basic Google search would figure it out. His photos out there with Claire Smith, his his uh, training of the Italian uh, intel law enforcement people at the Link campus uh, with UK intelligence people. The connections are there. Whether he is, in fact, a West... By the way, his lawyer says he's a Western intelligence uh uh, connected to Western intelligence. But even if you don't accept this lawyer's word for it, the evidence is out there. It's not a conspiracy theory. There is evidence everywhere, yeah. but they don't want to, they want to ignore all that. Now, Mifsud is saying now that uh, through his lawyer that he's willing to testify in front of the U.S. Senate. Ladies and gentlemen, this is absolutely huge. This could be a critical break in the case. Sorry, I'm trying, my, for some reason, my screen. What is that? Oh, there we go. 19, nice. Look at that. Wow, Ooh. that was great. My screen keeps going down. I got to like put a flashlight on it once in a while. Um, if he testifies in front of the U.S. Senate, here are a couple questions we need to ask him. That'll get to the bottom of this uh, stat. We'll get an answer quickly. If Mifsud steps up there, question number one. Were you recording the interaction with George Papadopoulos? Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Now, why would that be interesting, folks? Because there have been multiple allegations floated by people who are read in up on the Hill about the Papadopoulos-Mifsud meeting, whereas Joe said, sooner or later, someone's going to have to produce a Russian. Papadopoulos meets with Mifsud. It's alleged that Mifsud told him about Russian dirt. Papadopoulos on Hillary. Uh, Mifsud denies this. But some people who are read in on the program who have seen some of the classified paperwork in Congress have seemed to hint with a wink and a nod that there are recordings of these of of some of these meetings was was the Mifsud meeting with uh with Papadopoulos was that recorded did Mifsud record it 
You may say, well, who else would have recorded? Oh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, stand by. Stand. So you say the police came, stand easy. Police Academy, the mustard deck in the top of the police academy, you know, 100 degrees in the middle of summer in the NYPD. Stand easy. There's no easy standing in a uniform with a tie on at 95 degrees. It was the worst thing ever. Who recorded it? Are there recordings? So question number one from Ms. Sud, are there recordings? Why does that matter? Because folks, again, people read in on the program, keep hinting that there are recordings. And if there are recordings, what's the next question, Joe, which we asked Papadopoulos in our interview, which I cannot recommend in strong enough terms you listen to. If there are recordings and there are transcripts, how did we get them? As Joe so eloquently said before, ladies and gentlemen, sooner or later, we have to produce a Russian. If Mifsud is the Russian cutout, who was the go-between between the Trump campaign vis-a-vis Papadopoulos and the Russians about this dirt on Hillary, and he recorded the conversation and we have transcripts, why the hell would the Russians give us transcripts or the recordings of an information op they were running to try and infiltrate the United States presidential election? Ladies and gentlemen, does that make any sense to you? Do you understand how the recordings are? Papa D is the key, as I keep saying jokingly. Papa D, though, is the key. If the recordings are there, the recordings are the real key. Do you understand how the answer to this question is the case? If there are recordings and transcripts of the Mifsud meeting with Papadopoulos, who the hell gave them to us? Who gave them to us? The Russians? You think the Russians gave us recordings of their own intelligence operation against the U.S. election? Folks, does that make any sense? Putin and the Russians have already denied their involvement in this. I don't believe them. No serious person does. I'm just telling you, if they were helping us crack the case into their trying to crack into our election, maybe they had a mea culpa moment. Who knows? Maybe somebody in the Russian government came out and said, hey, we feel really bad about this. Let's give them the recordings. <laughs> then why would they deny it publicly? That they, Folks, are you? please tell me. I love you guys to death. But there are, I'm telling you, there are still some people who don't understand how critical this question is. If the Russians said, hey, we're caught, we're busted, let's turn over these recordings. We had Mifsud try to give this Russian dirt to Papadopoulos. We recorded it. He didn't bite. I feel really bad about it. My bad, like Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons. <laughs> Sorry, we screwed up. <laughs> right? Remember that when Bart <laughs> breaks his arm? Let's just give him the recordings, guys, and come clean. Then why wouldn't they come clean publicly? Putin's still out in the public lying to people. It's like, I had nothing to do with any kind of operation against the United States election. Of course he did. That's not the question. The question is, did they do it in conjunction with Trump? Of course the Russians are trying to screw up our country and our elections. Point stipulated. Absolutely. They're the, they, are our, they are our enemies. They're not our friends. That's not the question. As Joe said, the question is, did they collude with the Trump team? And where's the damn Russians? Show me the Russians. Show me the Russians. Show me the Russians, <laughs> Jerry. Show me. The- Say it again, Jerry. Remember, Jerry? <laughs> He's like, show me the money. <laughs> this is what it was. Show me the Russians. Say it, Jerry. Say it. Show me the Russians. Why the hell would we have a transcript? Do you understand? Listen to me. Up in the Senate, where Masood's saying he's willing to testify through his lawyer. If you are listening, and I know a dude up in there who listens, you know who you are. You damn well better ask this question first of Joseph Mifsud. Did you record the meeting with Mifsud? Uh, excuse me, with Papadopoulos? If the answer is no, well, what are you going to do? We can't, you know, it's the United States. We don't beat confessions out of people. I, he may not be telling the truth, but if the answer is yes, what's the follow-up, Joe? Who the heck did you give it to? And how did that transcript wind up here? Now, keep in mind, the people up in the Senate already know the answer to this question. Because if there are recordings and transcripts, as some have have hinted, they already know the answer. Now, Mifsud knows the answer, too. Why, Joe? Because if he recorded it, he did it. So if the Senate knows the answer and Mifsud knows the answer, the question is only for public consumption and the record at that point, which blows the whole thing wide open. The conspiracy theorists of the world, uh, uh, Scott 
Spedman or whatever his name is, uh, the guy who writes over Medium, and the Seth Abramson, who keep, co- they are like a totally debunked, discredited Looney Tunes conspiracy theorists at this point. They will be complete, their theories about the Russian collusion, oh my gosh, and I, will be entirely discredited. These people will never be accepted again in polite conversation. If there are recordings and we have them, how did we get them? Question number one. Sorry, I spent a lot of time on that because it's really important. Question, it makes sense now, right? Yeah. You all got it. Good. Second question number two. Was there a third party present at those meetings with Papadopoulos? Whether Papadopoulos knew it or not. Now, listen to my interview with George. George seems unclear on this, as he would be. If I'm meeting with Joe and I'm a Russian cutout trying to implicate him in a scandal to collude and win an election, and I have a third party working with me at another table, you know, watching, probing, maybe recording, whatever it may be, you think I'm going to tell Joe about it? Of course not. So it's understandable that Papadopoulos did not know the answer to that question. Totally. But I want to know, as was pointed about my be a very astute listener with some training in this space, I'll leave it at that. My sources are really good because I have a lot of really good people in my audience who are excellent at doing some of this stuff. In the prosecuting paperwork on Papadopoulos, let me just set this up better. Why am I even asking if there was a third party present at the Mifsud Papadopoulos meeting? Yeah, good. Because the way the prosecuting paperwork is written, Joseph, it's written in a way that either Mifsud is the source or someone else is. What do I mean? The prosecuting paperwork, when you read through it, says things like, uh, you know, this guy, uh, Papadopoulos, appeared uninterested. Mifsud appeared uninterested. Like, it makes makes claims about appearance, meaning what? Someone was watching... For physical signs of disinterest, uh, I don't uh, fidgeting, not paying attention, lack of eye contact, folks. In order for me to observe in a meeting with Joe that Joe appears uninterested in my bank robbery scheme, if that appears in a prosecuting document, think it through. How would I know how Joe appeared at a meeting? Well, I would know if I was the source. If I was at the meeting, are you tracking? How do I know? I go to the FBI and go. He wasn't interested. How do you know? He wasn't paying attention. I asked him about the bank robbery. He was eating a bagel. Um, he looked up and said, what, what, what do you mean? Bank, what are you talking about? He wasn't interested. He was shuffling paperwork. Uh, and then he said he had to go. Where would they get that from? Me or someone else who was watching? Now, let me add a little wrinkle to this from my experience in the law enforcement, working with the intelligence community, often space. Folks, it is rather rare in a sophisticated intelligence gathering operation, which I think Mifsud may have been a part of, either wittingly or unwittingly. It is rare for us to put all of this faith in one person who's not trained. In other words, If I'm going to engage in a rather sophisticated intelligence gathering operation, I want my trained CIA, DIA officers, uh, UK, MI6 officers, whatever they may be, I want them at either engaging in it and conducting it, or I want them there. Why? They know what to look for. They know the signs. They know how to read micro expressions. They know how to read people's, uh, I'm not suggesting they're human lie detectors, but they're very good at determining what's going on, understanding the, 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 the language the person uses, understanding the lingo, the jargon, they understand the background of the case. Are you getting what I'm saying, Joe? Mm-hmm. That if you're going to put your faith in such a huge operation like a setup of George Papadopoulos, for you to put all of your faith in an untrained asset like Mifsud would be very, very rare. Folks, there may have been a third party present at those meetings, and it may have been a trained intelligence operative. And I say it not based on some conspiracy theory as uh, Aaron Blake and others who don't want to do any homework into this case at all seem to allege. I say it based on the simple prosecuting documents used against Papadopoulos, where there is clearly someone there who gauged the appearance of what happened. How would you know what happened unless you saw it? 
Are you tracking, folks? Is everybody reading, picking up what I'm putting down? If you're talking about how Papadopoulos looked and Masood looked, you had to have seen it. Were there cameras? Were there recordings? Who put the recordings up? Ladies and gentlemen, these are basic, basic questions we need an answer to. But I'm telling you, from my experience in the space, which Blake and Speedster or whatever his name is at Medium and uh, Seth Abramson, the conspiracy theorist, the experience I have, they don't. You do not run a major IC operation to either take down Papadopoulos or if the liberal theory even was correct, that Mifsud's a Russian cutout to throw off the whole U.S. election, to throw dirt to Hillary, to the uh, Trump team through Papadopoulos, then it was a Russian operation if the left, if the left is right about Mifsud. Either way, you don't put that type of an operation in the hands of an untrained person. Kabish, Joe, am I, are you picking up what I'm putting down here? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You don't. Sure. You have another person there watching, observing. Someone from an I, the IC community who has experience in this, sophisticated recordings, behavioral analysis. How else would that information have gotten into the charging documents? You may say, oh, Mifsud could have done it. I thought you just told me he was the Russian. Mifsud is telling Bob Mueller now as a Russian asset about how Papadopoulos felt? Does that make any sense? Yet. <laughs> of course it doesn't make any sense. Of course it doesn't make any sense. Oh, oh, here we go, by the way. Good. Uh, Wall Street Journal um, breaking news. I was going to move on. I don't think I'm distracted here. But uh, breaking news, Matthew Whitaker, the acting attorney general, according to the Justice Depart- Department, can legally serve as acting AG without Senate confirmation, which if you've been listening to the show, you already know. Yeah. All right, folks. <laughs> that was, uh, yes, because of the Federal Vacancies Act, all he had to do was serve for 90 days uh, in a position GS-15 or above. Now, you can object to that. You can say, well, we, don't, we believe that's unconstitutional because the Constitution says uh, they need confirmation by the Senate and the advice and consent role. Fine. Then go to court and fight the Federal Vacancies Act, right? But Whitaker is clearly in there legally, according to the law, as it's written now. This is just nonsense. He's been in the job 90 days or more, and he is a GS-15 employee or above. I believe he's SES. So that's just nonsense. They're just making that up. Okay, today's show brought to you by Brickhouse Nutrition, one of my favorite companies out there. They've been uh, been with me from the beginning. They have the finest nutritional supplements on the market. And as I continue to tell you, foundation is the way to rock and roll. Why? Because if you take nutrition supplements, I mean, why do you take them, right? To look better and to perform better. Well, Foundation is one of the few products out there that does both. It knocks both of it out of the park. It is a creatine ATP blend, and it functionally works like two extra gas tanks in the gym. You have a gas tank, you have the oxygen, uh, the aerobic system, and you have the anaerobic system. The anaerobic system has fuel. Creatine and the phosphagens work in there. When you supplement with creatine, you can perform at a higher rate. You can, you can do more reps. You can do more sets. You're just stronger and you look better too because it volumizes your muscles. It makes them look bigger. The stuff is fantastic for women, for guys. For every, it is terrific. I love it. I can't say it about, enough good stuff about it. When I first tried it, candidly, I was blown away. It's called foundation. Take the mirror test if you think I'm messing with you. Look at yourself in the mirror. Give it about seven days to work. Loads in your system. And then look at yourself seven days later. You'll be like, nice. Go check it out. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. It is really, really terrific stuff. I can't say enough about it. Okay, moving on. So those are the two questions. Are there recordings? How do we know they're recordings? How did we get the recordings? And was there a third party present at these meetings? And if not, how the heck did they get this information in the charging documents? It seems to indicate that there was a third party present. It was either Mifsud or someone else. So we'll see. I will keep you updated on this, but this is the key. And if you want the background of the whole case, as always, pick up um, my book, Spygate. I really appreciate it, folks. We're actually still in the like top. Uh, we're still the number one bestseller. My book uh, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's called Spygate and uh, just about everywhere in bookstores. So go check it out. I really uh, deeply appreciate it. Uh, Okie doke. 
moving on. Big news on the Hillary Clinton email case. I don't know if you saw it, but Judicial Watch, uh, Tom Fitton and the crew over there, which does really terrific work. I have a story in the show notes of the Washington Examiner. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Joe, may be compelled to testify. Uh, they will decide that case today. I will update you tomorrow when I hear. There is a Wednesday hearing today where Judge Emmett Sullivan, who is about as no BS a guy uh, as you would possibly find anywhere in the United States government, Emmett Sullivan is going to decide today if Hillary Clinton uh, must provide testimony on the email scandal. Now, uh, you know, I wasn't going to cover this story, but I thought I have not updated you on an important angle to this that you may have lost. And when I was out in California recently giving a speech um, in Mountain View, yes, I go to liberal places and give speeches. Yes, I will do it anytime. (laughs) By the way, the speech went over incredibly. I talked about the whole Spygate scandal. I brought this part up at the end, and a lot of people were entirely unaware of this angle of the Hillary email case and why it matters. Now, I had mentioned it on the show a long time ago, but I haven't mentioned it in a while, and I want to be clear that you read in why the email case is so dangerous. Now, you may be saying, Dan, that's obvious, because we know Hillary broke the law, uh, Hillary's team, with with the illegal server outside of both State Department rules, and we know there was classified information on the server. Why? Because in one email exchange, she says, Hillary, Wipe the headings, the classified headings off and resend it on my personal account. That's there. Folks, yes, that's a huge scandal. Point stipulated. But that's not the biggest part of this. And it's not the biggest part of why Hillary's testimony, if she's compelled to testify, would matter. Joseph knows where I'm going with this. The bigger angle to this and what I believe the Democrats are really protecting. Folks, I got to tell you, I don't think they're protecting Hillary. I I don't think they want to see Hillary go down. Let me be clear. But I don't think they're investing all of these uh, intellectual resources they have to try to keep this case out of the public eye and all of the legal resources they have because they give a hoot about Hillary anymore. They're doing it to protect Obama. Obama is their legacy. Obama is everything, whether it's Obamacare, his legislative agenda, the fact that... uh, that they believe his legislative far-left liberal program was some, you know, this iconic landmark in politics that's going to last forever. They need to protect Obama. They cannot have Obama go down and mired in scandal. They can't. Mm. They don't want to see his legacy tarnished. They need to protect him under any circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. Why does he matter in this? Folks, if you read the detailed analysis of the Hillary email scandal. One of the things we cover in the book too, I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to sell you them. I'm just trying to tell you how long we've been on this. One of the key components of the Hillary email case is when she was in a foreign country alleged to be Russia, she emailed somebody very important from her personal email account. Who was that person? Oh, oh, Barack Obama. Oh, how's that? How about that? We haven't brought that up in a while. How about that? How about that? Now, what does that mean? Why would you even care? Well, I think it's obvious when you think this through. Emailing on your private email account over an unsecure server and probably an unsecure device as well from a foreign adversary's country, notably Russia or other words, opens up your account to massive hacking by foreign operators who will probably get access to a good majority of the communications you had while in that territory. Wouldn't it be amazing if the Russians had a hold of an email between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama? Number one. Kind of throws the whole Russian collusion thing out there. As Joe said before, again, so beautifully. Sooner or later, we're going to have to find a Russian. We may have found one. The Russian who intercepted Hillary's emails to Obama while she was in Russia, right? There's your Russian. But secondly, Barack Obama has always had some sense of plausible deniability in this, right? When he asked about the email scandal, oh, yeah, I learned about it from the news. I don't know. know. (laughs) Whatevs. Really? It's kind of hard to deny. I know Joe's email. I'm not going to tell you all what it is, but I know Joe's email. He has an email you can email him for the the show. Mm -hmm. But Joe has a personal email. I'll give you a hint. It ends at .us. I'm not going to, now, you could, for you to figure that out, you'd have to be a safe cracking genius. <laughs> Joe really doesn't care. I'm not messing around. But how do I know what Joe's email is? Because he emails me sometimes a thousand times a day. No, I'm just messing with you. He doesn't even, he actually doesn't even, he has to go to sleep at some point. 
I know his email. He emails me. Barack Obama is already on the record with plausible deniability saying he doesn't know the details of Hillary's email scandal. How would he not know if he was getting emails from Hillary on her personal email? Does that make any sense? How stupid do you have to be to believe this? And ladies and gentlemen, what if it's not just one? What if it's multiple emails? Have, has, has anybody thought that through? I made bad choices. No kidding. You sure did. I got high. <laughs> That's from his book, isn't yeah. it? Uh, this is the, the benefit of writing a book and coming clean <laughs> from the start. You know, of course he made bad choices. Folks, the real person they're protecting here in this scandal is Obama. If they get Hillary in an on the record, under oath proceeding to have to answer questions like this and they say, well, Hillary, you say you don't know um, about email and Barack Obama and your personal email. Can I slide this over for you to look at? Here's an email from you to Barack Obama. Do you remember this email? Uh, uh, uh. Do you understand what they're protecting and why this is such a huge story? As Joe Biden would say, Joe, this is a BFD. Yes, sir. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Is it? This is a big deal. That is what they're really protecting. All right. I've been dying, dying to get into this for now three, four days. So I want to knock a portion of this out. Just let me get this uh, read in here. It's important. These Our sponsors uh, like being here and they love talking to you. But uh, this is a story I've been on for a while because it's a sensitive topic to me. And uh, I'll get to it. Just don't go anywhere. You're going to like this, I promise. But the last read today brought to you by a great company, Filter By. Hey, around the country, millions of Americans are turning up the furnace for the first time, and they're spending a week freezing at night. Why? Because they neglected to change out their air filters and their system failed. This costly mistake is completely avoidable by regularly replacing the air filters at filterby.com, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. Choose from over 600 sizes, including custom options that ship free within 24 hours. This is a great company, folks, and I really um, ask you support them. You, everybody has air filters. Why buy from companies that uh, you know don't support our values? Filter Buy is a great company, um, and they do, and they're not shy about that. As for those of you who like to kick the can down the road, Filter Buy will give you 5% off your order when you subscribe for auto replacement, and you'll never forget to change your air filters ever again. They just arrive, and when they arrive, you know to change them. This is so much easier than going to the hardware store, having to special order filters. Plus, they work great and are made here in America. Filter by will save you time. They'll save you money. They'll help you breathe better. That's filterby.com, filterbuy.com, filterby.com. Tell them Dan sent you. They're made right here in the USA. It's a family-owned business. They love being on the show. They love my audience. And I want to sincerely thank everyone who buys their filters from them and then sends me their receipts over. That's very nice of you. I'm glad you support the company. They support, uh, they support the audience here. So filterby.com. Check them out. Okay. You know, folks, uh, I was reading an article this morning and it spurred me to, to say, you know, today's the day we address this. We have to talk about realistically what's going on with the middle class. And I don't mean it in flowery hyperbolic stuff. The middle class is everything. Yes, of course they are. We get that. But that, that doesn't help you in, in, in winning elections and exercising the raw political power we need to move the liberty agenda forward. The middle class, we have to start acknowledging, even on the Republican side, is being left behind, being left behind dramatically. And it is being left behind precisely because of government. Now, what spurred me to talk about this today? I was reading a piece by Galston, William Galston, the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, it's not in the show notes, but the other pieces are really good because it's subscription only. And we get a bunch of emails complaining when it's understandably when it's subscription only. But he brings up a great point that we have to already get frosty on 2020. I know you don't like it. I got your emails after the show last week. I know we're still dealing with uh, 2018. I get it. I've been covering that now as I did today for now three days. I hear you. But we cannot take our eye off the prize in 2020 either. The Democrats are already working on it. And there are some 2018 signs, ladies and gentlemen, that are not good. They're just not. And ignoring them are not going to do us any favors. Let's hot wash for a second what happened in uh, the 2016 presidential election. Donald Trump, uh, Hillary Clinton basically won two, not basically, she won 232 electoral votes. She needs 270. Meaning for the Democrats to win, 
in 2020, they need 38 more. We don't need Jay's abacus to figure that out. Right. Well, we can always do it, but it would be a waste of your time at what's so simple. We need 38 electoral votes. Them, the Democrats, not we. Most of them on us. The question Galston brings up is, based on the 2018 election results, things aren't looking that great, folks. I'll tie this to the middle class in a second. You're going to like this segment. Galston says, well, where are they going to get those 38 electoral votes? And he goes down the list of states it's possible. They could get them from Texas. Eh, probably not likely. Beto ran a well-funded campaign. He was a good campaigner, Beto. Uh, and he still lost. He came up short. He came close. It was a good race, but uh, he lost. Are they going to get them in Iowa? Probably not likely. Are they going to get them in Ohio? Again, probably not likely. Ohio just elected a Republican governor by a handy margin. We're looking pretty decent in Ohio. Are they going to get them in Florida? Could. Um, probably not. Uh, but the, None of these states have 38 electoral votes, by the way. But the question is, how are they going to gather and gaggle those votes together? Florida may not be there either. Trump won by a, you know, one point, but that's a pretty decent margin given Florida elections are always tight. I know I live down here. But he says there is a possibility here. And the possibility is this, Joe. Pennsylvania has 20 electoral votes. Remember, the Democrats needed, Hillary needed 38 more. Pennsylvania has 20. Michigan has 16. You're almost there. And Wisconsin has 10. Ladies and gentlemen, we did not perform well in 2018 in those states. The Democrats routed us in Pennsylvania. They routed us in Michigan outside of the John James Senate race where he performed admirably, but still lost. And Wisconsin, we lost. They didn't route us, but they won, and they won the governor's race, uh, which is going to turn the state back a little bit. Remember what I told you the other day. When you win and gain power over the state's bureaucracy, the party benefits. They benefit by fundraising. Folks, when, there is, no, there is no, no supplement for power. None. There's no food. So you either eat the food or there's no supplement's going to replace the vitamins lost. When you get in power, there are massive benefits from it. I'm just being candid with you on the tactical side. I'm not suggesting this is savory or cute or nice. I'm telling you, if you believe in we win, you lose, and we have to start to exercise power. You have to understand the mechanics. When you're in power, people donate to, uh, to candidates. Why? Because they're in power and they're the ones that can move things. I, is that cute? Is that pretty? No, it's the real world. Right. Joe, I'm not asking you for exact numbers. I'm not putting mm -hmm. you in a spot. But do you remember when in, uh, I, I, you, I'm, I'm using the state I have experience with to show you how this works. When Larry Hogan, mm -hmm. the Republican governor from Maryland, ran the first time against mm -hmm. a Democrat, he was about a 15 to 1 underdog. Mm -hmm. The guy couldn't raise money to save his life. He had to largely self-fund his campaign. Remember that, Joe? Yes, I do. Why? Because the Democrats were in power for Maryland forever. Yeah. Nobody's going to invest money business uh businesses or whatever they whatever they are or people who own businesses in campaigns that are losers ladies and gentlemen people need political favors and influence it sucks i get it i'm just telling you how it works hogan couldn't raise money to save his life i know i was there they raised the pittance compared to the other guy anthony brown the democrat who was assumed to be the winner Hogan pulled off a massive upset. He was about 10, 15 to 1 underdog. Hogan ran for re-election in this election right now, the Republican in Maryland. What he raised, Joe? 9, 10 million bucks. Mm. Crushed the other guy, Ben oh, yeah. Jealous. Oh, yeah. Why? It's simple. He's in power. They run the little uh, machinery of government. They're the ones that put oil here, throw a monkey wrench in there. This is what they do. This is, this is how it, it, the system stinks. But this is why I'm telling you, there is no supplement for power. The fact that we are running some of these states now, Ohio and Florida, benefits us greatly. The fact that we lost Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania is not good. If the trend continues and this carries over to 2020, ladies and gentlemen, we will lose. If Trump wins every state he won and loses those three, we are in very, very bad shape. In my opinion, Virginia is in really tough shape. We used to count Virginia as a swing state. It is now almost certainly a, 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 a not deep blue, but a blue state. 
Remember when Virginia was a swing state, Joe? Yeah. Those I days do. are yeah. over. States we could count on in the past, Nevada, Virginia, we're having real trouble in. We need these three states. What does this have to do with the middle class? Ladies and gentlemen, those are states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, absolutely dominated by hardworking, dirt under the fingernails, American middle class folks just looking to stop getting shafted. Big ag communities in Wisconsin. Michigan, you have a lot of union hardworking employees, a lot of non-union hardworking employees out there. People on assembly lines, grinding out a living every day, making America work, producing cars, producing the stuff and the services that make America work every day. Pennsylvania, same thing. These are gritty, hardworking states. The Democrats in the past have counted on middle-class workers that dominate these states to carry them across the finish line. They have since abandoned them and left them behind. We have to make them start making the case right now to the middle-class American worker that's been left behind that your life is worse off than it could have been precisely because of Democrats and big government policies. We are not making that case. Here's the evidence. Ladies and gentlemen, your health care and your premiums, which unbelievably the Democrats are now incredibly running on health care. Are they kidding? The Democrats have totally shafted you on health care. Totally. They are now making a push. Think about this. Again, I'm, I'm for a second here. I'm not talking to well-off folks. Yes, this applies to you too, but I'm specifically targeting this to middle-class people who live paycheck to paycheck and work for a living and work for, I'm not saying wealthy folks don't, but I mean who work to stay alive. I know I was there for a long time. There's not a $500,000 cash cushion if you lose your job. Your job is your life. I'm targeting this message to them. The reason your health care is up and your health care premiums are up is precisely because of Obamacare and government involvement. Now, the Democrats are doubling down. They want government-run health care for all. That's what these far-left liberals running on Medicare for all is. So I pulled a quote out of the Wall Street Journal where government-run health care happens for everyone. This is from a piece by Scott Atlas in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Single payer, in other words, government-run programs, usually impose long waiting lists and delays unheard of in the United States. Last year, Joe, a record 4.2 million patients, 4.2 million, were on England's National Health Service waiting list. There's government health care for you folks. Yeah, it gets it gets worse. 362,600 patients waited longer than four months for hospital treatment as of that March, and 95,252 waited longer than six months. It gets worse. By this July, 4,300 people had been on a waiting list more than a year, all after receiving their diagnosis and referral according to NHS uh, National Health Service England's referral to treatment waiting times data. One more. In Canada last year, the median wait time between seeing a general practitioner and following up with a specialist was 10.2 weeks, while this wait between seeing a doctor and beginning treatment was about five months. You will be dead in that time. Dead. I can't say it in any cutesy, pretty way. Five months, if you have pancreatic cancer like my buddy who just died, you will be dead. He was dead in weeks, not months. You want that here? Why are we not making this case? You want to win Wisconsin? You want to win Michigan? You want to win Pennsylvania? Why are we not making the case that we have an alternative to that? The alternative is you control your health outcomes. We don't wait on long waiting lines in the United States right now. We don't. You can find another doctor. When the government controls that, people will die on, literally, people will die on waiting lists. I read a uh, report a while ago, 5% of UK doctors admit, these are only the ones that admit, admit to knowing people 
that died on waiting lists. 5%, think about what I'm telling you. These are only the ones that admit it. Five out of 100 doctors in the United Kingdom admit to people that they know people who've died on waiting lists. You want that here? The answer should be a big fat no. If you are a middle class person, working man, busting your butt every day, man or woman, in those three states, the Democrats are making your life worse. I'm not suggesting Republicans have all the answers. I'm not a partisan hack. I'm simply suggesting to you that your problems are most definitely being caused by big government that the Democrats love. Secondly, so your health care stinks because of the Democrats. Economically, if you're struggling to get ahead, even if you've got a job, but when I say get ahead, I mean, folks, the American dream, you get to take a vacation, take some time off. You get to buy the house or some reasonable house. You like a decent car that's not breaking down. You get to send your kids to good schools. We're not asking for, uh, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous here. I'm just asking for the basic American dream. The reason you're struggling to get ahead and get your head above water where you've got a capital cushion, you've got some money in the bank, you're not worried about every single paycheck. The reason you're struggling is precisely because of government. I'll give you some reasons right here. Corporate taxes that Donald Trump just cut. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, what do business taxes have to do with the middle class? Those taxes are passed on to you. You pay them. It's Econ 101. Businesses are just tax collectors for the government. They take these corporate taxes are passed on to you as a consumer. The reason products and inf- you see products and the cost of products going up in a heavy corporate tax environment is because they're collecting taxes to pass on to the government from you. No, that doesn't happen. Okay, where do businesses get their money? A simple question, folks. Where do they get their money? From you. You, you give them the money. So when they're charged extra money universally by the government, they collect more money from you. The corporate tax environment, which has improved thanks to the tax cuts, but couldn't prove more, is taking a really deep cut out of American consumption. It's passed on to you. Secondly, student loans. You're 20, 25, 30. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm 43. I literally just paid off my student loans. I did a graduate degree at the City University of New York, which I completed, an MBA at Penn State. They were the graduate, the City University of New York was not that expensive. The MBA at Penn State was very expensive. I just paid that off. I'm 43, going to be 44. The student loan industry is bankrupting our 20 and 30 year olds. Who runs that? Oh, the government under Obama took over monopolistic control of the student loan industry. It is not run by free markets, which would demand cost controls of the education system because the government's involved and it is entirely disconnected the student from the university. What happens, Joe? The university goes, it's going to be $150,000 a year for your education. The government goes, don't worry, we got it. It's on us. If there were some free market controls over this, banks and lenders would say to the student, we're not paying that. We can't guarantee we'll get the money back. Oh my gosh, that's bad. The student wouldn't get to go to college. Really? Because if that kind of financial control was exercised by the free market over all of these universities across the country, then all of a sudden the universities would be like, hey guys, we're charging so much for our product, nobody can afford it. But they can because the government's coming in and financing all this largesse. You have universities, Joe, out there with billion dollar, literally billion dollar endowments that are charging $50,000 a semester or whatever. Because the government's the backstop. If we had the free market, they'd exercise some price control. The reason your education is expensive is precisely because of the government's involvement, not in spite of it. They're not helping. You can't get ahead because of them. Econ 101, the third party payer effect. You can't get away from your student loans because the government has cut you off from the university and, oh, we're going to help. 
The free market would have exercised price control over it, over the university system a long time ago. Finally, one more point, which is critical. Why is the middle class being left behind? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the government controls the education system at the K-12 through level as well. The public education system in this country is falling apart. We are falling behind on nearly every single metric. How do you explain that a country of 330 million bright, intelligent people ready to go forward in the richest country in the history of humankind has an education system that stinks to the heavens? When you measure us against just about every economically advanced country in math and science, we get our butts kicked all over the globe. Why? Because the government runs it and the government can't make a paperclip the right way. There is almost no incentive by government bureaucrats to improve a system as long as the money continues to flow into Democrat coffers and get people reelected. Listen to me. We are living in an ideas economy, folks. I'm sorry to break the bad news, but the manufacturing and agricultural economies as a percentage of our GDP are going to continue to go down. A hundred years ago, you could walk out in your backyard in an agricultural area, start a farm, sell your products, feed your family, no problem. Lickety split. Outside of droughts or things like that. Government intervention in the Great Depression, which screwed that up too. You can't do that anymore. We live in an ideas economy, meaning the ideas in your head are what's going to make you money. You can't walk into even an assembly line now and go, what do you do? Oh, you just turn this wrench on this widget like it was 100 years ago. It's not like that anymore. Joe, your industry, you're at the radio station, yeah. WCBM. Mm-hmm. When you first started, it, the equipment was probably relatively simple, right? Well, I mean, you needed uh, yeah. some training, but can you acknowledge to the audience that the equipment has just gone crazy and through the roof oh, now? Yeah, you, you really got to know, you got to be technical to do, to work this stuff now. And we have automation to, you know. Joe right now deals with Adobe Audition, RSS feeds, iTunes, things that didn't even exist 20 right. years ago. This stuff takes ideas. Joe has to know. He's not turning a wrench ever. Yeah. Joe's post-production is complicated. I don't know what he came down here wants to show me. I'll be honest with you. I still have no idea what he does. Hmm. He's got to cut out all my sneezes and snortles and all that stuff. It's it's not easy. I'm not not suggesting any of it's rocket science, but it's hard. He tried to explain it to me. I have two graduate degrees. I couldn't figure it out. I'm just being honest with you. He can. Why? Because he educated himself. Folks, the future is going to be in material sciences, development, 3D printing technology, uh, medical technology, gene, uh, gene mapping. This stuff takes ideas. The middle class is being left behind because that's where the money is now. And our education system sucks. It's not producing those kids. They're coming from China. They're coming from India. They're coming from Asia. They're coming from Africa. They're coming from Caribbean nations. They're coming into our schools. Fine. And they're the ones that are taking some of this education at the higher level where we actually have a little bit of price control. And they're going back and building these companies overseas because we're not producing the students here. The Republicans are on the choice of on the side of school choice and change. The Republicans, we are behind. You cannot tell me with a straight face that our people are not capable of being the smartest, most intelligent, hardest working people in the world. It is not the fault of Americans. It is a fault of their government, which has screwed up the ideas economy and left us playing for second place. It's the Democrats that did that. They're the ones fighting for government control of the school system, despite the fact that it's failed. That's the case we need to make. The middle class is struggling because of government, not in spite of it. Get into Wisconsin, get into Michigan, get into Pennsylvania now and start making that case for 2020. You want an education? You get to pick where your kid goes. We support school choice. You want this student loan industry that's bankrupt and you cleaned up? We're going to turn it over to free market people that are going to extend some price control over this nonsense. 
The government's failed you. These corporate taxes, you're paying them. You want to be able to consume more, take a vacation, eat a steak instead of a chicken once in a while? We got to get these corporate taxes off your back. It's the government that's holding you back. That's the case we got to make. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Please, if you wouldn't mind, I humbly ask that you uh, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us move up the charts. It is free. It is at no cost to you. You can subscribe on iTunes if you have an iPhone. If you have an Android device, you can go to iHeartRadio and follow us there. You can follow us on SoundCloud as well, but the subscriptions help us move up the charts and help other people find the show. I really appreciate your time, folks. Thanks again. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.